Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to be here. Man, uh, I am from Ottawa, which I just thought was just like normal. You just, this guy's from Ottawa. But then I realized like if every city in Canada, every major city is like a person in a family or like, a, like siblings, Ottawa's the opinionated, get an early night, have a glass of red wine, hand out all the rules to the rest of the siblings. And like Edmonton is like that sibling that's like, dude, leave me alone, bro. I don't want to hear your views. So I come from the most bureaucratic city in the country to just bridge the gap. And it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you have a Bible, grab it out. And the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verse number 10 is where we're going to be speaking from today. Um, uh, Jacob's vision of the Lord and uh, Jacob's ladder and some, some powerful verses here. And I want to talk to you today on the topic of why I love the church. And so you came to church today to hear me talk about why I love it. But I pray that why, I, why that happens, as that's happening, I, my prayer is this, is that God would ignite for you your love for the church. You've heard the phrase before, you're preaching to the choir. I'm pretty much doing that today. Um, but I wanna encourage everyone that's online, I'm preaching to you too. I believe in the online church. I believe in the online space. I think that in every church, there should be a belief that the online church or the online campus will be the largest gathering of believers watching church online. It's the way the world is going. But if you live in Edmonton and you live 15 minutes from the church, if you're watching online, be here next week. <laughs> because online is good, it's convenient, it's great. But if you can drive 20 minutes across the city to save $20 on a Facebook marketplace purchase for a winter coat, you can get to church next week. But, oh, wait. <laughs> what is this real talk Sunday, you know? And, uh, but, but, but it's great to be here. Why I love the church. And I think that um, in a time like the time that we're living in, there can be a whole bunch of perceptions about the church and definitions of the church. And I really wanna bring us back to uh, what I think. And, and um, early we heard Acts 2. And many believe that that was the birth of the New Testament church. And I would be one of those people. But I think in Genesis 28, we see what I think is the birth of the church in terms of the birth of God's family, the birth of the revelation of the church, of what it is, not the building. I think Jesus didn't die for a building or a sanctuary or a temple, but died for a family of believers. And I wanna talk to you about that today. It's, it's an honour to be here. Joel, thanks for having me. To your mum and dad, um, this church is a uh, genuinely a shining light. When I came to Canada, I didn't know of any churches. I knew John and Helen Burns, because I think everyone knows John and Helen Burns. I think if you're, I think when you get saved, you get water baptised, John and Helen are there. Just giving, you, <laughs> just giving you a big thumbs up. Welcome to the kingdom. Good to have you with us, you know. Um, emissaries, you know. And, um, but to be a part of, to be here today, I'm really realising, man. Well, first of all, I'm realising that Canada uh, is massive. If that wasn't clear to you, I'm telling you today, you live in a large country. This is a huge space, you know. Um, and, uh, but also realising that God is doing great things in great churches all over the country. And I realised that today, um, yesterday I met Joel, building new relationships and being here this morning, this is a Spirit-filled church. God is moving in this place. And I think that we can take it for granted, can't we? 
But we look at we look at the dysfunction in our families, and we're like, man, my family's so dysfunctional. Yeah, it is. Great. Now acknowledge the great things about it. This is a great church, and you're blessed to be a part of it. Um, but Genesis 28 and verse 10, if you have a Bible, you can turn there with me, uh, which I think will be a grand total of nobody. Um, you can look on the screen. It says this. Jacob left Beersheba in verse 10 and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until you have done what I've promised you. Verse 16, this is the key key verse for us this afternoon. Well, that's Ottawa time, it's still morning here. When Jacob, just more Ottawa jokes, you know, like super not funny. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took a stone that he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil upon it. And he called that place Bethel or Beth El, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, I am uh, taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Father, we ask, God, that you would speak to us today. We pray for a rhema word. We pray for a revelation from heaven. Father, we pray that as this Kiwi boy from Ottawa is preaching this word, God, that you would truly be the one that's preaching today. Father, we ask that you move on hearts. Father, we pray that you bring a refreshment by your Holy Spirit, that the prophecy and the song, that there would be a fresh wind, God, that would come into this place today. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. When I was 13 years old, my mum and my stepfather and my four brothers and I moved into a new house. Next door to our house was another family that not had five boys, but had four boys. And the boy that was my age, his name was Matt. Matt and I started to build a relationship and Matt said to me, hey, this Friday night, do you wanna come with me to a youth group event? It's called an all-nighter. I didn't know what that was. I knew what an all-nighter was. I didn't know what the event was. I had no concept of church, had no concept of Jesus. I had never even heard these words in my life. My family was entirely and completely unchurched. I came along to this event with Matt and it started at 7 p.m. and finished at 7 a.m. You pay $20, you go to the movies, you would have McDonald's, you would play sport, you would go swimming, laser tag, paintball. And it was like a teenager's dream. Came along at 7 p.m. with Matt. And then kind of by like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, we ended up at the movie theatre at a cineplex. We were sitting there in a movie theatre, just like you're sitting there today, watching, I don't know if you remember this movie. This is a throwback. This is 97, The Matrix. Remember The Matrix? Right? I mean, he's a great Canadian, eh? And so I'm watching The Matrix and, 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 I'm, and I'm watching this film and it's just crazy. Like, it's like, you know, Neo wakes up 
naked in a bath. That sounded weird. Neo wakes up naked in a bath of pink jelly and realizes that he indeed is a battery used by AI to like, you know, to ruin the human race. And it's just like, it was crazy. And it's one of those films that you're like, I've got to watch this twice because I think I missed the whole point. <laughs> right, about, right about that point of insomnia, right about that point of just like wondering what on earth was going on with the Matrix, a man named Quentin, who would, who would later become my brother-in-law because I would marry his younger sister. Her name is Nadia. I have one wife and four kids too, just as a, as a side note. He would get up and preach. He would get up and share uh, the clearest and the first time I'd ever heard a presentation of the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about what you were thinking about when you were 13, but when I was 13, I had a few thoughts, just a few thoughts about the afterlife. What's next? What happens after? What goes on after this? When I die, how long will I be dead for? I better be good. I might come back as a pulpit. Who knows? (laughs) And he gets up and preaches about Jesus. He preaches about God's love. He preaches about the fact that God has paid the ultimate price for me, not just for eternity in heaven, but for a great life today. And I raised my hand and I prayed a simple prayer and my life was never the same. The following week, Matt and I were still hanging out. He's like, dude, come to church with me. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. So we go to church. He went to a Baptist church and we walked in and like, I haven't been to a Baptist church since that season in my life. So I don't know what they're up to these days. And I don't know if aesthetically the building is still the same. But let me describe to you what it was like in the late 90s. The Baptists loved these massive floor to ceiling um, like drapes, but they were like, it was like carpet, you know? So it was like, it was like you could touch it. And it was like amazing. And, and there was Swedish Jesus. So he was like, he had blonde hair and blue eyes. And it was so cool. And he was dancing through with lambs. And I was like, that's cool. You know, like, that's crazy that Chris Hemsworth goes to this church. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is super amazing, you know? And then always doves, always doves. If not a single dove, many doves. And so there's these things here and like all these Baptist church isms. But I quickly realised that what was taking place in my life was Matt had helped me see a couple of things. He had helped me see that Jesus loved me and paid the ultimate price on the cross for me. But then I think, and this is what I wanna talk to you about today. What Matt was also showing me at the exact same time was that Jesus didn't just die for me, but He died to bring me into a family. You see, my family was dysfunctional. My my mum was in her second marriage at the time. Mum was what we would call a blended family. One biological brother with the same mum and same dad, two stepbrothers and a half-brother, my family. And Jesus would introduce me to another family, a deeper family, an older family, a blended family, a family just as dysfunctional as the one that I came from but with the future that would last beyond this world. And I wanna talk to you today about why I love the church. I think it's important at this time to provide some kind of definition for the church. Maybe even to provide a definition or what they would call an anti-definition about what the church is not. You see, the church is not, in my opinion, just a building. The church is not, in my opinion, an institution. It is not an organisation. It is not a place I go. It is not an event I attend. I don't think Jesus died to save an event. I don't think Jesus died to save a building. I think Jesus died to save lives, to save people. That's His priority. And to bring us into a family. 
Rick Warren, if he was here, he would say this, that a church is a group of baptized believers who've joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's five purposes for their lives. He really knows how to stretch out a sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no grammar in that. A church is a group of baptized believers who've joined together in a community to help each other fulfill God's five purposes for their lives. Maybe could I oversimplify it a little bit today? And let me just say this, that I believe that the church is a spiritual family of believers that I belong to. That the church is a spiritual family of believers that I belong to. What a blessing we can be. We can be, we can be the other thing too. We can cause problems. We can have issues. But when we get on the right page, what a blessing you and I can be that there's no group of people that have contributed more to charity in the world than Christians, that there's no group of people that have contributed more to healthcare and education than Christians have, that, that we map the world, that the greatest scientists of all time, Isaac Newton was a, was a devout Christian, that we have done great things. The Bible says this in Isaiah 60 verse 22, that the smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Can you read your church into the Scripture? That the smallest family, but I'm realising that they're not quite small. The oldest brother is six foot nine. That the smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group, a husband and wife, giving out tracts on a university campus to have two people to start their church that night. The tiniest group will become a mighty nation at the right time. I, the Lord, will make it happen. In a, in a time when the church is torn down and ripped apart, let us remember that the church is to be admired, that the church is to be honoured, that the church is to be revered, that the church is a miracle in motion full of broken people trying to fulfil God's perfect plan, that the church is a family that I belong to. It's crazy to think that this Sunday, 130 million people south of the border will go to church, which is more than the combined total of the attendance of all four major sports this year, today. It's crazy to think that you and me are a part of a family of believers. 2.2 billion people consider themselves churchgoers. It is crazy to think what we did together, that in the fourth century, we started hospitals all over the world, that Queen Elizabeth II is the longest serving monarch in human history, that you and me started universities, that we have done incredible things, that the church is a spiritual family that I belong to. You can tell how much someone loves something by what they're willing to pay for it. You know how much my wedding cost? <laughs> you can tell how much someone loves something by how much they're willing to pay for it. When you consider what Jesus paid, He gave up privilege and right and position. They call Him the Prince of Peace. He's at the right hand of the Father that He gave that up to come and hang out with us for 30 years and our issues and problems and be killed by us. When I read the story of Jesus, I look at moments, not just the nails and the wrists, although that, I hate blood, so that freaks me out. The last time I fainted was when my wife was giving birth to our fourth child and she got her bloods and they took the needle out and then just a little drop just went and across the room and just landed on the floor. Next minute, I'm on the ground, right? But I read the Scriptures like I read this, that they tore his beard. I read the Scriptures like they spat on him. You see, to spit on somebody can't hurt you physically, but can degrade the soul. That Jesus went to the depths for you and me, that the price that He was willing to pay was the highest possible price so that we could be a part of a spiritual family that I belong to.
that you and I need to understand the power of the church, the beauty and the magnificence of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says this, read this with me. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and even being talked about amongst the angels. Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. That the ultimate price that was paid the other day, I bought a quarter of a sliver of a fraction of a percentage of a Bitcoin. I bought it was worth $75,000 for a whole coin. I didn't buy a whole coin. I bought a slither of a fraction of a percentage of a little bit of a Bitcoin. I couldn't even tell you what it is. Every time I get together with crypto guys, I'm like, okay, so just one more time. For the 17th time, break it, break it down. Blockchain, talk to me. And then they tell me, I was like, okay, I'm gonna need a minute to process that. Then I'm gonna come back. I don't know what it is. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but I know the price that people are willing to pay for it. Can I tell you about why the church is dysfunctional and why the church has problems and why the church is the way it is? No, but I can tell you this. Jesus paid the ultimate price and offered up His very life for whatever it is that you and I are doing today. Let me tell you about why I love the church. I love the church. If you're taking notes, number one, write this down. I love the church because I become aware of His presence. The Bible says that Jacob's closing statement was this. How, this is Genesis 28. This is, this is a long time ago. He says this, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I don't think we need, need any prophets or prophetesses out in the like, car park shouting this, but it would be really cool if we could, that if you got out of your car in the car park, of which by the way, online, so many car parks here, another reason why you should be in church next week, that we could get out of our car and say, how awesome is this place? How awesome is this place? None other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is what God is using to bring about His revelation and His love to the planet. How awesome is this place? And how not awesome was the place? Like, have you ever, you ever been camping? Like, I think when you go camping, you go in an RV. I think you have the most RV sales per capita on the planet here if not in the city, certainly in the province. Amazing. Power to you. Can I come? <laughs> Jacob didn't have an RV. He didn't even have a tent. He didn't have a sleeping bag or a sleeping mat. He didn't have running water. You know what he had? Dude, he slept on a rock. <laughs> and then he gets up and he goes, oh, how awesome is this place? <laughs> you know what we would say? Oh, this church can't even provide my basic needs. It's a rock. It wasn't even comfy. I don't even like it. There's so many things about it that I would tear down if I had the opportunity to, and I do, so I will. Facebook, keyboard warrior, where are you at? That wasn't his attitude. That wasn't what he said. He gets up from a rock and says, oh my gosh, how awesome is this place? Man, I reckon that was Jesus. Have you ever had that? Like I was on the front row and there's a line of the song. I forget the line of the song. Um, I wish I could remember it because I felt like God spoke to me clearly during the song. And you know, you had that moment where you're like, ooh, is that the Lord? <laughs> now if Nadia is here, I'll be like nudging you like, I feel like the Holy Spirit just said this. Did He say anything remotely like that to you just now in the last five seconds? You know, like He gets up, He's like, how awesome is this place? I reckon God was here. He's looking for evidence. He's like, this is it. He renames a whole city, used to be called Luz, now Bethel, God's house, gate of heaven, Beautiful, I love it. And from that moment, his whole life is impacted from that revelation. 
You see, daily spiritual disciplines will build my life. Amen. But weekly church attendance will reset my walk. I'm an ordained reverend in Canada. I'm a three-year New Zealand citizen over here doing my best to build the church. I am a man of the cloth. I'm a man of God. I read my Bible. I download podcasts. I pray. I do my very best to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. But every Thursday, I'm like, ah, God, where are you? Why have you been quiet for three days? Are we good? Because if it was a marriage, if we had like a date night on a Monday night and come Thursday, I'm like, hey, Nadia, are we, we cool? We cool? How are we going? Are we good? Because we hold hands, but we don't talk. We're like walking through life, but I don't know where you're at. Are we okay? She'd be like, yes, yeah, sorry, we're great. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. With God, it's like that. We, we meet Him in church. We have these experiences. It's beautiful. Then on Monday, we follow through with spiritual disciplines. But then something happens and we get lost in the weekly week. <laughs> then we come back to Sunday and we become aware again of His presence. We become aware that He's alive, that He's real, that He loves you. You see, I'm a quality time guy. That's how I fill my love tank. Thank you, Dr. Gary Chapman. But more than I love hanging out with you and with my family as much as I love them, I love hanging out with Him. I love being a part of environments where God can speak to me. I love being a part of environments where something in me comes alive. Sitting at my dining room table is just enough to keep me going. But when I come to church, the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know why I'm so glad it says that? Because I can't sing. Because if the Bible said, make a tuneful noise to the Lord, I would be ruled out from singing in the church, but it doesn't and you have to live with it. <laughs> so then I come around people that are trained to do what they do. They practice doing what they do. They are brilliant at doing what they do. I text Nadia, I said, babe, I'm in a spiritful church in Alberta. I'm in this wonderful city. Like the sound system's amazing. <laughs> and no one's wearing masks. And this is like the best thing ever. <laughs> we come and we sit and we receive and it's powerful and we become more aware of His presence. The amount of times I've been in a youth camp or a young adults conference and, I, and I've received a direct prophecy or I've received a word from God or I've been in the worship and something's like, I'm like trying to find a notebook to write down what I think God is saying. The great thing about the church is you can take what you think God is saying and go to those trusted friends that you've had for years and say, man, what do you think? What do you reckon about this? Is this off? It's off. It's not good, eh? Nah, I thought so. Don't even worry about it. You come back to it. I remember I was, um, I was sound man, how you going, camera guy, amazing. And, and, and I, was, I was at the back there. One of my roles in the church was to run the, the, the overall production of our large conferences. We would have had two to 3,000 people in the, in the capital city of New Zealand gathered in this big amphitheatre. Conference is just popping and I'm back there. I'm like, man. And I'm not just worried about like, is everything working? Logistics, that's, that's enough. But the other hemisphere of the brain is going, man, is God speaking? Is God touching lives? Is there rhema word? Is there revelation? Is God moving? That's a, that's a hard one to measure sometimes because He's a mystery, man. Sometimes He's moving, you, can't even, you don't even know. Then after it's like, that was the best thing ever. I'm like, what? I thought He wasn't even present, you know? And, the, and I'm just rocking because I think both are happening. I think the conference is going well. I think we're going to meet budget and I think God is moving. So I'm just like, ah. 
And the preacher starts to prophesy and it's over me. All these people, I'm serving the people. I couldn't care less if God speaks to me or not, as long as He's touching lives. And then someone nudges me, bro. And they like yank the, you know, the cable. I was like, in my personal space, leave me alone, you know. They're like, dude, you're receiving a prophecy. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, hey. And then like, you know, like the camera guys aren't trained for the camera to be on them. You know what I mean? And I'm on them. So all these different cameras are converging on us. This is in the next five years, these things are going to happen. Bang, 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 bang. I get the tape. I could text the, you know, the crew. Hey, would you mind? Can I just get the MP3? Just at that two minutes from the conference. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're at the back. Boom, here it is. Put it in my car, play it. Put it in the laptop, play it. Over the next five years, I look back, it's amazing. Word for word, every single thing. How many times has that happened to you? Prophecy as a child in Sunday school, at a youth camp, something random. And you're like, ah, that might not be the Lord. 10 years on, you look back and go, that was clearly the Lord. We come to church, we become more aware of His presence. Jacob wakes up from sleeping on a rock and he goes, oh my gosh, best sleep of my life. How awesome is this place? Because God is here. If you're taking notes, I love the church. Number one, because I've become more aware of His presence. But number two, if you're taking notes, I love the church because people become my priority. Have you ever noticed that being around people becomes a priority for you? So like, I've never wanted to drive a Harley Davidson in my life, but I was in Pastor Dennis's office and now I'm like, man, I can't wait to get a Harley, you know? <laughs> like I'm super pumped about it, you know? Things become a priority. I'm quickly realising that the Senators are so bad that I might just become an Oilers fan because, <laughs> because when you hang out with people, the priority of people that you love becomes a priority for you. My wife, her name is Nadia. I wish she was here. You would love her so much. She's better than me in every way. Creative, discerning, funny, intelligent, brilliant. Oh, she's just gorgeous. You love her so much. So she's a fine artist by trade. She's trained in fine arts and she, just, she paints all the time. There's easels at my house. There's more easels at my house than in the city of Edmonton. I swear to you. <laughs> New pieces all the time. The other day she had a bowl of dirt, glue and sticks. And I walked in and I was like, what is this? Because I'm thinking I'm clean. Like I'm, that's one of my things. I just like being clean. I like the house being clean. I, all I'm thinking is like, this is about to be so dirty because <laughs> it's actually dirt. And she's like, oh, commission piece is going to be great. I'm like, oh, here we go. Two days later, commission piece sold for hundreds of dollars. Like the stone thing and the dirt and the glue. It's just, I mean, I, mean, I couldn't possibly do a worse job of describing how cool this thing was. <laughs> We celebrated my 30th birthday seven years ago. It was like 10 years married and 10 years in the ministry or something like that. It was like a trifecta of anniversaries. And so we were in Manchester, England, and we flew across to Paris for a few days together, her and I. And the kids were, uh, yeah, they were fine. They were somewhere. And so I wish I could do the trip again. Not just because the trip was awesome, because you do a great trip, you want to do it a second time. But I wish I could do it again because I don't feel like I was at my best. I feel like I wasn't at my best. I'll tell you why. We went to the Louvre. And so we're like going to the Louvre I'm in my, you know what's really sad? This is what's sad. We're going to the Louvre. I'm thinking Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. Like I'm thinking Tom Hanks. You know, like I'm thinking, I think movies, I think stuff. You know, but there's art in there, I think. It's going to be great. But I'm like, oh, crazy, you know. She's thinking I'm going to just immerse myself for hours, maybe a day, maybe two. 
just in the magnificence of the artwork. And I'm just going to soak it up. She didn't talk. It's the, only time, it's the only way I've been able to get her not to talk was to take her to the Louvre. So it's well worth the money. You know what I mean? As a joke, of course. She's soaking it up. I walk in, I'm like, oh, crazy. You know, cool art. Yep. You know, you're like, oh, artwork. Yep. Another piece of artwork. More artwork. You know, like, you know, I'm not saying that out loud, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, so much art here. You know, she's like, uh, uh, let me say this too, as a side note, like 90% Jesus. We think art is not about God. Arts, arts become a separate entity that's anti-God. I don't know if you've ever seen artwork. It's, go to the Louvre. Jesus was everywhere. Every painting, Jesus or his mum. Jesus and his mum. Whole family vibes, just hanging out. Sculptures, Jesus, his mum, just, just dominating and we walk into the, the room where the Mona Lisa is. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the Mona Lisa or you've even heard of her. She's, she's a beautiful piece of artwork. And I walk into the room because a lot of people, tensor barriers and stuff, little lines and things. I walk in, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, this must be it. The piece de resistance of the Louvre. It's got to be the Mona Lisa. And she walks in and she's graceful. She's so beautiful. She just walks in, she's just like. And she just finds a little, little nook. And she's just, is just adoring this piece. This is me. <laughs> it's a little small, eh? <laughs> and she's like, excuse me? You're like, I'm ruining her moment, you know? This is her and Mona, you know? And I'm like, it's tiny. Like, I don't know if you've ever received a, like a PDF document, like a letter, like an A4. She's about that big. In my mind, she was supposed to be massive, a whole war. So my thing is disappointment. I'm like, eh. oh, well, on to Jesus, more Jesus, where's more Jesus, you know? She's unmoved. I don't know if she knew what size it was going to be. I'm not sure if she'd done that research or if she was just taken by the beauty. I wish I could do it again because in the five years since that day, I'm glad to say I've grown. I'm glad to say I've changed. And I'm glad to let you know today that I'm a better man. And I'm glad to let you know that today I have learned more about what she loves and I've learned more to appreciate the things that she loves. And I wanna do it again because I wanna be able just to stand there just outside of her peripheral and just give her that moment and say nothing and not comment on the colour or the shades or the size or how weird it is that she follows me with her eyes across the room. But just to let her breathe it in and soak it in and just be quiet for a minute. And we've been married for 15 years. I've been following Jesus for coming up 25 years. And there's so much about Him that I couldn't tell you. There's so much about Him that I don't know. We want to talk about a whole bunch of different things in the Bible. I couldn't help you there. I'm really sorry. I could give you some resources and some books that might help. And there's things that I do not understand. But here's one thing that I know about our God is that our God loves people. And our God is passionate about people. The Bible says that His desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Our Bible says about our God that the Son came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
I've, I can tell you that after 24 years of following Jesus, that people have become for me a greater priority. When I got saved, it was about me. When I got saved, it was about my life and my future and what's gonna happen with me in heaven. And it was about me, but I'm glad to let you know that today I'm a changed man. I'm glad to let you know that today I'm a better man because I've realised even just a little bit that He loves people. We won't for the sake of time, but in the book of Genesis 28, if you reread it for homework this week, God speaks and He says, I am the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac. He's just laying out just a couple of people that He cares about. And then He says, all of the people on the earth, that's a lot of people, will be blessed by your descendants. The whole point God spoke to Jacob on this rock that he became aware of his presence so that Jacob would become more aware that God wants to bless people through his family. That God would speak to us today, that we'd become aware of his presence. But then we would realise that God wants to bless our cities and our country through his family. And that's us. Where does that start? Well, you have neighbours. Where does that start? You have work colleagues. Where does that start? You're looking at Zoom. Where does that start? One of those little squares. The people that God loves, your corner of the earth is the place that you live. People become a priority. Someone once said, if you wanna go fast, go alone. But if you wanna go far, go together. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. He helps me become aware of His presence. That's why I love church. I love church because people become a priority. But lastly, if you can take notes, write this down. I love church because it helps me with my Monday. Is there any day in the week that people hate more than Monday? Is there any day in the week that we look forward to less than Monday? People look forward to Friday, the weekends. You kind of just get over Wednesday, but Monday, Monday's the worst. Monday's the start of the week. I've got to go back to work. I'm going to be home tonight at midnight which means that when I wake up in the morning, it will be Monday. You know what I'm gonna look forward to? My six-year-old son, he's the best, but he's gonna be filthy. He's gonna have dirt all over his hands. He's gonna be outside playing. He's gonna be with his Legos and the trucks. And he's gonna be chocolate on his face. There's no one can crush a whole watermelon like my six-year-old son, Hugo. I mean, he's just feeding his clothes, man. Like I'm telling you, there's watermelon on his pants. How did you get watermelon from here down here? He'll look at me in the future and say, come on, Dad, it flows like the like the oil of the Lord down the beard of Aaron. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I'm raising here. We all have a Monday. But the Psalmist writes this, I was glad when they told me that we were going to church. I was glad when they said we're going to the house of the Lord. The Psalmist writes that I bow down toward your holy temple, that loving God's house and loving God's people and being a part of a spiritual family that I belong to of believers centred on Jesus helps me because I know that tomorrow, I'm supported. I'm a part of an extended family. I'm a part of a group of people that have my back. And do you know how special that is? That's wonderful. There's nothing quite like it. When I was young, my mum bought me an RC car, remote control car. And she's like, Levi, would you like um classic mum move? She's like, would you like uh, regular batteries or rechargeable batteries? And the capitalist in me said, which one's more expensive? And she said, well, the rechargeables. She said, if you save up, you can buy those, but you won't need to buy batteries ever again. If you just save up for three weeks to buy these rechargeables, or you can buy these batteries one-time use. And I was like, oh yeah, 
I just bought the single-use batteries. After three weeks of buying single-use batteries and paying more than I would have paid if I bought the rechargeable batteries, I went to my mom and she looked at me like she knew what I was about to say. Classic mum move. And she says, hey, honey, what's up? And I said, well, I think I should buy rechargeable batteries. And she says, well, that's excellent. I tell you what, let me buy them. You've learned your lesson and here you go. So they were these little yellow things and they came with a charging station, like a dock. And so what would happen is you would use the batteries, they would go flat and then you would recharge them in the dock and then they would be full again and then they would go flat and then you would recharge them in the dock and then they would be full again and then they would go flat and then you would charge them in the dock and then they would be full again and then they would go flat and then you would charge them in the dock. When you put the flat battery back in the dock in the charging station, there's a little LED light, it would be red. Red would say the battery is flat, but as it was charging, it would change from red and it would go orange. Orange would say the battery is charging. Then once it was fully charged, it would go green. Green would say the battery is fully charged. So I would use my car, doing jumps and tricks. And then I would take the batteries and I would put them in. And it would be red because it would be flat. Then it would go orange because it was charging and then it would be full. And I would know that it was ready because it was green. Is there a better description where you could find another preacher that could take RC cars in the church and paint a better picture for you about what the church does for us. Because I don't know about you, I don't know how you came in today, but most of us came in orange and some of us came in red, but very few people came in green. Very few people walked in full of the Holy Spirit, ready to go, locked and loaded, got it, don't even need church, but I'm there to contribute and I'm on fire for God. Most of us came in like, oh man, Good to be in church, great to be here, great to sit in my seat, this is great. Fresh Winds, one of my tunes, I love this, it's an absolute banger. Most of us come in orange, but it's amazing to me how many of us leave green. But what's even more amazing is how many of us leave green and take it for granted. We'll even go, oh, I'm feeling so good. Let's go get Boston pizza. And then we do the same thing next week, not realising the whole time that during the week you do what you do, which is you work hard, you play hard, you rest hard, but spiritually it can happen, people. You can get red before you know it, but that's why you take that rechargeable battery and you bring it back every single week. I love the church because it makes me aware of His presence. I love the church because people become a priority and I realise it's not about me. It's about something bigger than me. It's about a spiritual family that I belong to, that I serve and then I can reach others. But man, if I can make it selfish for a minute, it helps me with Monday. Because Monday's around the corner. And someone's like, oh my gosh, it's so close. <laughs> They're texting Pastor Joel, is there a final song? <laughs> you know, like, because I'm gonna need more of Jesus in my life, you know? And we realise that we, through the week, we get flat, but we come back and we are filled up. And during the week, maybe, just maybe, I don't know, Maybe I'm oversimplifying. Maybe in maturity we should stay full. Maybe, I don't know. But maybe that's God's plan. That every week we're part of a spiritual family that we belong to and we can be filled up and refreshed with His Holy Spirit. And maybe you're here today. I see you. I see you just nodding slightly. This is what you're doing. You're like this. That says a lot to me. That says to me that this week you felt orange. That says to me that you know yeah, you've had some red weeks, but work is busy. Things are pumping. The world is a crazy place. Pandemic has just been the weirdest of times. And some weeks you're just so deflated and so flat and so empty. I'm texting all my friends. Dude, I'm in Edmonton. I'm at celebration. This church is on fire. 
can touch people. There are no restrictions. This is crazy. I'm getting excited because of health guidelines. How much more excited should I be? I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. I shouldn't be texted in church. <laughs> but if you're here today and you're flat, you're just flat. You're just empty. You're just kind of trying to figure it out. Then I'm so glad that you came to church. If you're watching online and you live in the city, well, I'll see you next week. But I'm so glad you're tuning in because there's nothing like knowing that you need something and then realising that what you need is right in front of you. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. You're like me when I was 13. No idea. I didn't know what I didn't know. And someone got up and talked about Christ and I was like, aha, that's what I've been missing in my life. Maybe that's you and you're here. Maybe you came with a friend. I'm glad you did. Maybe you're here today and you're so flat, you're so lost, you're so distant from God that you're not even walking with Him. I would love to pray for both groups one prayer. So this is what we're gonna do in a second, just in a minute, this is what will happen. I'll ask you to close your eyes, not right now, but just in a minute. And as you do, for privacy's sake, I'll ask if I'm talking to you. And if I am, you don't know Jesus or you once did, but you've moved away, you're flat, you're meh, you're just, you're just off and you wanna come back to the Father and you're here for that purpose today, then I would love to pray with you in just one moment by the raising of hands and the simple prayer that I'll lead you in. So would you mind closing your eyes? Could you do that? Would you mind? Just for privacy's sake, just close your eyes right across this place, just for a minute. And if you're here and you're saying, I need Jesus and I don't know Him, I'm not right with God, I need Him in my life. And friend, Jesus loves you and paid the ultimate price to die for you. Or if you're saying, I once did, but I've kind of moved away and I need to be centred again and come back into my relationship with God. Then on the count of three, throw your hand up nice and high so that I can see it and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Yep, 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 yep. Amazing, yeah, down here, brilliant. Thank you. Over here, amazing. I see your hand. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, amazing. Others, you're saying, I need Jesus. Throw your hand up right now if you haven't already so that I can see it. And lift it up nice and high. Yeah, amazing, brilliant, wonderful. Thank you, yeah, cool, great. Just one more, one more opportunity as I, as I just look across the room. If you haven't already lifted up your hand, and you wanna pray this prayer, throw it up right now so that I can see it. If you yeah, yeah, amen, cool, cool, great. Yeah, yeah, amazing, thank you, so cool. Yeah, cool, brilliant, wonderful. You can put it down now that I've seen it. Many hands, this is what we'll do. I want everyone to pray with me in support of those who are praying this for the first time. I'll pray a simple prayer. I'll say one line, I want you to repeat it back to me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need You in my life. I ask You, Forgive me of my sin and I thank You that You do. I thank You, Jesus. I thank You, Jesus. Amen. You can open your eyes. And as you give a huge round of applause, I'm gonna hand back to Pastor Joel. Come on, thank all of these people today. Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.